Hello everybody, Paul Jancarella here from Speaking to Empower, or S-T-E with Paulie G, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, that's my speaking uh, business credentials, and I figured I'd share them with all of you on this podcast So today I wanted to talk about uh, a few things and go over a concept or two. But let us first start with my bipolar. My bipolar diagnosis was not my fault per se, Uh, just like a heart condition. You know, you can have a genetically bad heart. The following conditions, whether they're heart conditions, bipolar, um, diabetes, whatever it is, mental, physical, um, needs care. And so does our mental health. However, we can't use it as a crutch to blame circumstances on. You know, we need to use life's adversities to propel you and not sink you. And let me just elaborate a little bit on that because when I was first diagnosed in 2018 and spent eight days in a mental hospital, uh, that whole year from May of 18 to even May of 19, I I don't want to say I was in denial, but I was just irritated. I was taking my meds every day, but anything that were to happen in in my life, I was just laissez-faire about it. And I would just say, well, I have bipolar. You know, that's why I can't do this anymore. Um, I don't golf anymore because I have bipolar. You know, absolutely asinine. But that's the mentality I had. And then, as I said, in 2019, I had another uh, manic episode that landed me in the mental institution for another six days. And at that time, you know, it was kind of a wake-up call, but I was just so clinically depressed. And I was clinically depressed because I said, well, I have bipolar. You know, that's both depression and mania. And the mania for me was just never fun. You know what I mean? The high ends of mania were just borderline, you know, um, hospitalization. You know, I mean, that's how it was for me. So I, I, I digress a bit, but I get fired from my life insurance job of 25 years, all that I knew, all that I wanted to do. Uh, and I never was blaming, but I said, well, I got bipolar, you know, they 
put up with me for two years in a row. Uh, sales, as well as um, cancellations, became an issue. So that was that, you know, and, and I was just in the blaming stage. Well, I had bipolar. And it doesn't have to be that way, folks. Finally, in 2020, I started to turn around and just said, all right, get ahead of yourself. You know, focus on what you possibly can do and go from there. I really was just in a fog. And I didn't have any motivation, really, other than to run an online business to make a million dollars. I thought it was that easy. And uh, at 48 years old, or whatever I was. And I came to realize as each step of the process, each month, each year, uh, things got better and better because I practiced personal development. I studied it through Bob Proctor, Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, and that has solidified uh, my foundation, if you will, and it continues to solidify. So that's what I ask all of you to look at, is, is where do you want to have growth and uh, clarity in, in, in better relationships? Where, where in your life do you want to have that? You know, is it your family? Is it work? Whatever it may be. It can certainly be done. The other uh, problem that I've run into is my wife. <laughs> she, she doesn't have it easy. Uh, she has a 86-year-old mother living with us and doesn't speak English. So, you know, limits the communication between the three kids and myself. But when she sees Betty, she'll be like, oh, you out all day gallivanting, shopping and having a good time while we were starving here? Knowing full well that my wife was at work, um, one of her two jobs, and my wife gets combative with her, you know. Um, my wife stabs her. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, you know, they get into heated dialogue, which I don't understand. It's just like, And Betty's like, And, and it's, you know, to me, it's just bickering. So I say to her, Betty, I sense there's some trouble. She's like, wow, aren't you observant? <laughs> I said, what's going on? She's like, my mother's driving me crazy. And I ask what she's doing, uh, what she said, and she'll tell me what her mother said, you know, like very cutting, offensive things. And it, it's, it's very... Um, troubling for my wife. So what do I do? I try to throw personal development at her. You know, let that roll off your back. You know, look forward, focus on the positive, you know. And 
um, surprised that my wife hasn't belted me in the mouth. Uh, she's come close a couple times. So my, my, um, I guess, infinity, no, not infinity, um, epiphany that I had was to offer my wife help, not advice. And I think that's a sound statement right there. Offer help, not advice. You know, who wants to hear someone preach all day long, like you guys are listening to right now? You know, live by your actions. Do some, wash a dish. You know what I mean? Do, do something that's going to help your wife out. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's proved helpful, but then I don't do it as much because I get lazy. And that's the thing. We get complacent in our ways. Um, you know, my wife can be very enabling in a certain respect. Does everything for her mom, myself, the three kids. And we just take it for granted in a sense. So be appreciative of what you have, but more so do something about it. You know, I have to uh, really get on myself to be financially successful. Not that I'm not already, but I really need to move in that direction to really uh, set things on fire. And it doesn't have to be crazy, you know what I mean? A little spark at a time. Darren Hardy today in his Darren Daily um, video email. Small action to gain big advantage. And he says, this will help you get ahead of the pack. And essentially, it basically pays to go above and beyond. And there was a story uh, several decades ago where a woman, elderly woman, walked into a department store and was just browsing around, and you could tell by looking at her that she was essentially just killing time, waiting for a taxi or a bus or whatever have you. And the clerks really never paid much atten attention to her. Um, and she was very um, cordial herself and very polite. But she passed this one counter, and a young clerk said to her, may I help you? And she said, oh, no, I'm just killing some time waiting for the bus. And he said, well, let me get you a chair. And she's like, oh, no, no. And he already had gotten a chair, you know, helped her sit down. And they struck up a conversation, you know, very benign, nothing crazy. But when she said, oh, my bus is about to arrive, he walked her out. He escorted her, made sure she got on safely, and, and off she went. 
And that was very nice. Um, a month later, the department store received a letter um, asking to do business with the department store and in their home in Scotland. They wanted to be all furnished with all of what they have to offer. And they wanted this clerk to be the individual that goes out there. And the owner or the manager of the store said, well, he's in a different department. We can get someone else. And she's like, no, I want this person. So out he went. And at that time, spending close to a million dollars was <laughs> almost like $10 million, $20 million in this day and age. The woman's name was Mrs. Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie's mom. Andrew was one of the wealthiest men in the world in the early 1900s in the steel industry. And he was a very um, ambitious entrepreneur, to say the least. But this, the point of the story is just be nice for no other reason than being nice. I am very nice to people, but I always have an ulterior motive. Like, you know, who do they know that can help me? Who do they, they uh, work with that can get me a job? You know what I mean? I'm only nice to people to get stuff. Until today. I guess I'm just going to be nice to be nice today. <laughs> Uh, I like to joke with you, but you know something? We all need to fall back on that. Because when you're nice to someone and they appreciate it, it makes you feel good. When you're nice to someone and they don't appreciate it, it makes you want to knock them out. <laughs> but you know what I mean? The point is that should even make you appreciative uh, at, at times. So... Nothing's a perfect world. Nothing is easy. But in the same time, everything is fantastic and wonderful. So the pursuit of our essential purpose is what satisfies. You know, and, and that's why we have a lot of wealth in this nation, as well as addiction, you know. When something is important enough, you do it even if the odds are not in your favor, you know, and that's, that's the honest to God truth. If something is important enough, if the odds are not in your favor and you choose not to do it, that's because it's not important enough. It's, this, this quote was by Elon Musk, the Tesla entrepreneur. And 
it's just like me saying to you, here's a two by 10 plank that's, I don't know, 25 feet long. I'll give you 20 bucks if you walk across it. You'll do that all day long <laughs> for 20 bucks. But if I raised it up 100 stories and said, now will you do it? You know, you'd, you'd think twice. You may not. You may. But if I said to you, you know, a loved one is across the way and the building's on fire and you need to rescue them, um, you'd be more apt to do it regardless of the money. Unless you really didn't love the person that much. <laughs> oh, I'm just a banana today. Okay. So, what I want to get into now, busy is a choice. Stress is a choice. Joy is a choice. Choose well, according to Dr. Brian Schutz. And if you can see the positive side of things, you'll have a much fuller and healthier life. Try it for a week. Try it for a day. You know, just things that are ticking you off or things that are upsetting you, try to shut your mind off and replace it with a positive thought or something in a better perspective. You know? I said that to my wife. She's like, I, you know, she was saying she wanted to hurt this guy, you know? I said, Betty, can you, can you turn that around to a better statement? She's like, I want to kill this guy. <laughs> I said, okay. Yeah, that's better. But, you know, that's how we, we get locked up, you know, and, and I'm talking figuratively there. The last story I wanted to share with you is how a first grader almost burned down a house. And now I, I, I didn't burn down the house. I, my, I was in first grade. My mother's like, I got to go down the street, maybe five blocks. You know, it's a residential neighborhood. Two seconds down the road. She drove the car to pick up my something or other. She's like, stay right here, behave yourself. You know, someone does that nowadays, they would be locked up if someone found out. So what did I do? She left me with a, a burning fire in the fireplace. And it was summer. <laughs> it, was, it was like you know, February. So I had a... Uh, a um, it was a burning fire. It felt good. It was nice. But I was taking newspaper and throwing it on top of the logs, and it was shooting up the chimney like balls of fire going up the chimney. And my mother pulls in the driveway and sees all the embers on the front lawn. And let me tell you, I was... In trouble. Yeah, I think I got the belt from that. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, capital punishment in my house. But yeah, so 
Thank God there was no chimney fire or something like that. You know, I just do these things that are crazy. Okay, folks, have a wonderful weekend. If you're listening to it on a Friday or whatever have you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, In the meantime, I will talk to you on Monday, Lord willing. And in the meantime, be well, stay well. We'll talk to you soon.